0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco and thanks for listening in on another episode. Or if this is your first time stopping by, I'm grateful to have you. This podcast is all about the getting started moments, the turning points that got each guest started on a new path toward happiness, the ups and downs of the journey, how they were able to commit to a change, and all the lessons learned along the way. I hope you all enjoyed this particular episode. So let's jump right in and get it started. <music> On this week's episode, I welcome back in a former guest of the podcast, Sarah Miltenberger. Last time she was on, we talked a lot about her getting started journey, you know, how she got into sustainability. And on this episode, I really wanted to go deep into sustainability and the things we can all do to get started with better sustainability practices. So a quick bio on Sarah, and then we're going to jump into the episode. Sarah Miltenberger has made a name for herself in the sustainability world of science and technology for the past eight years. A Forbes under 30 scholar, one of her biggest passions is utilizing creativity and communication to make sustainability a positive experience for client programs. Her clients have included small to large businesses around the world that are looking for help with telling stories that marry science and strategy around life cycle analysis, supply chain, and employee education. She has assisted clients with developing energy solutions and installing solar arrays and EV charging. In addition, Sarah has helped clients receive awards and certifications with B Corp, Ecovatis, and 1% for the planet. I hope you all enjoy this conversation. I know I did. So without further ado, please welcome back in Sarah Miltenberger. Sarah, welcome back to the podcast. Glad to have you.
1: Thanks so much for uh, inviting me back. It's It's quite an honor. I'm
0: thrilled. You know, it's been like a hundred episodes or actually more than more than a hundred episodes since you were on last uh, time flies. So good to see you again.
1: <laughs> I think, yeah, you were on episode 72 and you were telling me that it was your goal to do an episode a week or something on those lines. So it's pretty amazing how far you've come. So I appreciate it. And, you know, I've been along this journey as well. You were there for me when I started my own podcast, Make Climate Cool Again. And Held my hand through that, so I'm just excited to kind of come back and talk about my experience in sustainability in a different realm than, yeah. and sort of helping businesses get started in that, just get started in sustainability. Yeah.
0: Well, exactly, and that's what you know. Some of the things I've been trying to do more with the Just Get Started podcast is um, obviously your journey is a unique one, and um, I know it's been two. And a, it's so funny, it's been two and a half years. We met in line meeting Kim Kalp at Next Gen. Some in 2019, which is crazy. But um, So your journey obviously transformed over the last several years and obviously before that. But what I really wanted to get to is more from a, a topical standpoint. This comes up a lot with conversations I have not only on the podcast, but with friends and, and colleagues and neighbors and stuff is around sustainability and where's the world going. And you're uh, one of the foremost experts that I know, at least, in terms of understanding this <laughs> space and all the things that are going on with it. So um, can we start And I want to take this like the 30,000 foot view, and then we'll kind of go a little bit deeper from there. So let's just start off with really just kind of a naive question from my end. What is sustainability and why is it important?
1: Um, Sustainability is a million things that make our lives better, make the planet better, and are part of innovative solutions that I just think help us propel forward in a way that's responsible. And it's important because we are living on this amazing ecosystem and we're kind of functioning and doing our thing and we want to be successful 100%. But we have to make sure that we're kind of doing that and we're doing a dance with nature a little bit and kind of balancing that out so that we can both be successful. Like we want the planet to be successful, we want us to be successful so that we can go and achieve whatever we want and sort of keeping that in mind.
0: Why why do you think it's been such on the forefront? And obviously climate change we can talk about, but is is that the only reason it's become so important with a lot of organizations and stuff like that, or just people in general, recycling, we'll, we'll get into all that. But like, what is the, I, I, maybe it's my um, naivety to it is like, why is it been so important now or in the last handful of years versus 100 years ago? Um.
1: Well, the data shows 100 years ago, we weren't in this position. But I think what's, what's crazy is just the social media has completely changed how we communicate information. Number one, like that can be, you can talk about how different issues have evolved over the past 10 years, a lot to do with social media, but specifically around sustainability. I think it's been this kind of movement that's been kind of slow and steady. And, and we've seen sustainability since the 50s and early 60s. Um, but it hasn't gotten to this mass movement the way it has now, I think simply just because it wasn't accessible. It was kind of seen as this granola, you know, movement only for a certain type of people. And it wasn't until we changed the marketing around sustainability that is really for everyone that I think people have kind of latched onto it as, as an opportunity. And also it feels good. I think people don't, We're in such a dark time. There's so much doom and gloom out in the world right now. When we support a small business and we buy that sustainable product or we eliminate plastic from our routine or or whatever it is, those small things feel really good. It's like, oh my God, I'm making the world a better place. Just like one little action at a time. And like, how can you, you can't compete with that like little strike of dopamine. Um, And so people are looking for that even more in their day-to-day life. And if companies can provide that as part of an interaction with their brand, it's just, it's really important.
0: And and from a sustainability standpoint, is this more, it's not just on how the products are made, but it's also, how are they delivered? How are they packaged? How are they like there it's really from, you know, basically cradle to grave, if you will, of the process, right? Because I, I mean, at least as I look at it, you can definitely yeah 100 200 years ago, I can imagine just factory processes, the industrial revolution over the last few 100 years, like all of that has caused a lot of harm to our and they didn't know what it's kind of like they didn't know what they didn't know now or at least wising up a little to it. So is there Anything specific, I guess, or or maybe there are even misconceptions that the general public doesn't even think about when it comes to sustainability. You know, anything you can consider to, to share that would be helpful?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And you were talking about like cradle to grave and like all these things. And obviously sustainability encompasses all that, but I actually be kind of be honest with you and say let's just focus on like some small steps. It's really overwhelming for any company to just look at the whole picture and be like, where do I even start? Mm-hmm. Like you kind of need a little bit of a roadmap. You just need, you know, it's like baby steps. We start with low hanging fruit. We, mo- we, mo- we move our way through the process in a way that makes sense for the company. But I would say like, there's a couple of misconceptions I was thinking about prior to jumping on this call. And one is that sustainability is hard. Right, like we just talked about, how it's huge and it's like confusing and stressful. But it, I think that there's there's a play that it to make it seem hard, but it's it's really not. Like there's really so many things that you can do for as a company that not only makes you more sustainable, but it saves you money, it saves you time, it's just efficient. I mean, let's just swap out the word sustainability and efficient. Wouldn't you rather, rather be efficient, like? That's, that's, I'm trying to do that every day so I think like first off I don't think sustainability is as hard as it's made to seem even though you know that might be putting me out of the job but um I think that just a lot of times companies just need guidance through all this language that is being used uh, but ultimately the actions are easy number two I think a lot of people assume that a sustainable product, You know, and coming from a brand, right? That's kind of utilizing that sustainable marketing is not as good as maybe a conventional product, and that's something that we're seeing flip right now. Uh, But historically, think about three years ago, four years ago, we're like, oh my God, the the green version's not as good. Think like the Nissan Leaf in 2012. Who wanted to drive a Nissan Leaf? Come on. So that was like, if you looked at that version of a car, not, not nearly as good as all the other gas cars on the road. Now we're seeing Tesla and we're seeing all these amazing brands come out with electric versions that are cool and fun and totally different than what people have been experiencing for regular cars. And so that's a complete novel shift into, okay, well, sustainability is also good in its own way. And that's something that we're trying to like pivot into. And then the third one is that I think people assume like, well, sustainability is about, you know, is, is, is conservationists or it's people in sustainability or environmentalists. And I I would say sustainability is an, is its own thing. I think all of us understand, all of us are consumers. We all understand stuff. We understand that we need to have like sort of a balance with nature and consumerism and all those things we're not you know out hiking every day and have zero like most of us don't have zero waste lifestyles i think we're all more realistic about the realities of the world and we're less um we're not trying to get anyone to just change overnight we just understand that change takes time and we're not trying to like make any crazy you know we're not riding in the streets and hugging trees everywhere. You know, we're, we're regular people. Yeah. We just carry a reusable cup, you know?
0: Well, I, I think that's the, well, part of the challenge is like, you mentioned earlier, is like, you can't do everything. And I think that's where we get lost just kind of as individuals. And, and I'm curious to chat about businesses as well, but like, we kind of get lost because it's like, yeah, what do I, yeah. Is it, is it, if I use the reusable cup, am I doing my job? Is it, if I recycle my boxes, am I doing my job? Like, if I pick up trash that's on the ground, like what, what are some things Because you know, sometimes that's a large boulder remove for one person. So how, I guess, from an individual standpoint, if we go that route, like how should I have, use me as the example, like how should I be thinking about sustainability on a day-to-day basis? Like, is there certain practices I should be considering? Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think I'm doing good, but I'm like, yeah, I guess I still sometimes use like a single use plastic at times, or I still do this or that, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. I think, I think it's just about noticing, right? Like a lot of times we move through our lives. We're, we're not really paying attention because we got a lot going on. We're all stressed. We all have busy lives and responsibilities and we're just trying to, you know, build great habits when we can and maybe work out at the end of the day. So I think it's about understanding okay wait a second I just made my dinner and threw went to the trash can like five times that's why why did I just go to the trash can five times I, did i just buy all this stuff that all needs to be thrown out nothing was recyclable or when you're driving your car actually something i do that people make fun of me for that i didn't even that i did years before i got into sustainability was i always would like challenge myself to like coast as much as possible in my car. Like I would, I was always, always be like, okay, I'm going to coast to this stoplight and I'm going to, it's going to, my car is going to stop as soon as I get it, So I don't actually have to break. Like I would challenge myself in like all these small ways. like I'd make a game out of it. So I would say, I mean, if that's what works for you, if you're reading about sustainability habits or whatever it is, you want to recycle more, make a game out of it, make a challenge. And so then you're kind of rewarding yourself, making it fun. Um, But there's a million things you can do because it's all about like works in your lifestyle. If it's a reusable cup, great. If you don't want to carry a reusable cup around, that's fine. Maybe you have a straw instead, or maybe you don't take, you bring your own mesh bags to the grocery store and you don't take all of these plastic bags, or it's, it's just a lot of small actions that add up into big impact.
0: Do you feel? I mean, you no, know, I don't even. I mean, most of us are pretty wasteful, though, right?
1: I mean, I'm wasteful I mean, we're, we're sometimes, we're,
0: and, and especially the U.S. I mean, we consume a lot, we throw out a lot. Mm-hmm. Is there better ways to think about? And and I know we chat a little bit, you know, in the past about like recycling and, and stuff like that. But it, in terms of like everyday stuff, we should be doing. Like, what are the like the non-negotiables? Like, we should be doing living. And let's just talk about America, where we live. What what are like two or three things we should be doing every day as as humans?
1: Oh my gosh, that's such a hard question. Um, I mean, the problem is, I would love to say let's recycle all of our stuff. Let's make sure we're all rinsing out our recycling well and putting it in a or you know however your bins are collected. But make sure you're rinsing out your recycling. People don't realize that you need to do that. Because it's not like when it gets shipped off into the recycling land, like we think it's like Willy Wonka's factory. Like we think the little plastic thing goes through all these different levels of the recycling forest and gets washed in the recycling river, like whatever it is, that's just not happening. It's going into a facility. Sometimes these facilities have, you know, cleaning operations. Sometimes they don't. Most of the time they do not. Depends on whatever your tax system, whatever county you live in. And if it's dirty, it ends up contaminating whatever bag it was in, whatever dump um, recycling truck it was on. We have to be just a little bit more aware that our stuff, we have an impact when we recycle something into everyone else's recycling system, right? So we have to be just like really conscientious about doing it right. So we're not messing it up for everybody else because I, I take a lot of time to make sure I recycle. I hope and pray that it gets to the recycling facility, but that depends on everyone around me doing a good job. So we all got to do a good job so that it actually gets recycled.
0: So what happens if it doesn't Does just go in the landfill then? Do they throw it away or?
1: Yeah. So I think the good rule of thumb to live by is when in doubt, throw it out. Just, just throw it out. If you don't know if it's recyclable, please just throw it out because if you recycle it and it's not ends up contaminating that whole system and um it's just easier if you just throw something away sometimes
0: do you find and this is a slight a slight tangent but i i see this a lot because of the media kind of our mass media we headline read a lot we you know people are sharing a lot of stuff i find that there's a lot of misdirection on what's actually causing climate change what's actually in you know causing these challenges and we'd like to kind of lump in some big stuff and we don't realize there's other things. Can you just share a little bit just from your background, like if if you're willing to go down that, that hole of like, what are really the couple causes that we should be again, where we're not getting like, Oh, it's, you know, Bitcoin is X amount energy and that's causing all that. Like, no, it's not like go do the research. Like, what are you seeing as a do maybe a couple causes of, of, that humans, that individuals can control or at least help control? If that makes any sense, that question.
1: Yeah, 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 it does. And I would say, I'm gonna give you like an example first. It's kind of like climate change is like when people say, and like a lot of times talking about it, is when people see windmills and they're like, oh my God, windmills are killing the birds. It's like buildings have been killing birds way longer than windmills were killing birds okay like let's not take one thing and like find a general fact about it to be the root cause of all of its evil okay and it's the same with climate change i think that there's many many factors as to why climate change exists i don't even really like talking about like climate change because it's so complicated i would prefer to talk about how we can make positive climate action I don't It's it's just easier to focus on how we can be better than the actual problem because the problem is changing all the time. Yeah. But I would say ultimately the root cause of climate change in whatever, however you want to talk about it is that we're producing stuff like crazy. Go to Walmart, go to Target, anywhere, holidays, when you're unwrapping your gifts. Now I'm I'm sorry, I'm ruining the holidays for people. But you're going to be like, holy shit, we throw out a ton of stuff. Now multiply that by... 8 billion people that have access to stuff. Cause I'm not going to count a billion people that are living in um, like villages. They are not making the same impact that first world countries are, but um, we're, we're consuming and making stuff all the time. That's generating electricity. That's or you know, using electricity. It's things are going to landfills. Things are breaking down. It's creating, Gases that are going into the atmosphere, and they're kind of just hanging out up there. They're hanging out, and it's trapping heat, and things are changing very rapidly. And we're kind of creating this experiment that, yes, the Earth has obviously gone through changes over its entire lifetime. For us to think that we're going to be the cause of the end of the world is r- a little bit ridiculous. W- what is really a problem is this impact that we have on ourselves. Right. Like, I think we get into this conversation like, oh, my God, we're we're killing the Earth. We're not killing the Earth. We're killing the environment that allows us to thrive. Right. Because if you look at the history of the Earth, this time period of us existing in this really comfortable atmosphere has only been like a blip on the entire planet's Mm -hmm. history. So like the point of all of this and why scientists are freaking out is it's like, well, we're just changing the atmosphere to something we don't recognize that we've never experienced. And we don't know how that is going to feel. We don't know how that's going to affect economies. We don't know how that's just going to affect our day to day. And that's what's kind of scary, but also something that is something we can work towards and make it, make it more positive and try to make it better so that we can be prepared for whatever happens next.
0: So as individuals, the the recycling is a big key. Then, anything else? Should I be planting trees? Should I be like what? What, what else is there? Anything else I should be doing? Me personally, and obviously, I feel like that again.
1: answer was too much. I'm Brian. I feel like that answer was a lot.
0: No, that was good. I well, I think it brings <laughs> it back to a level of yeah, we can't solve everything, but let's recognize that. You know, let's look at our environment again, individually around us, where we live, where we work, where we play. And let's try to focus on improving that a little bit versus trying to solve, oh, my God, I can't solve everything going yeah. on at the polar oh ice caps. Well, yes, I can't. But what can I solve in my neighborhood? You know, what what am I doing that? Or or maybe as a community in general. And that's why I think we see a lot of these, like, you know, whether it's garbage pickup projects or you see, like, we, we have a great, um, there's a nonprofit I, um, I, I, uh, took my son to actually, and we helped out with a few years ago where they plant a ton of trees, um, mm-hmm. and, and they do some different stuff. So I was like, okay, th- th- there's people that are trying to do this at a small scale, but again,
1: yeah.
0: I, I didn't know if there was cool. anything else before we, cause I, I really want to talk about businesses a little bit, but anything from an individual level that we could think about in terms of like daily practices.
1: Well, I have a great segue to kind of bring it back to recycling, as you said, is like if we recycle better, then there's going to be more recycled plastic available to be broken, like chipped up into tiny little pellets that we can then that makes it valuable, that we can then use, businesses can use in any kind of product that uses a plastic. I mean, recycled plastic is the material of 2022 like everyone's trying to use post-consumer recycled materials the reality is we need to make it more valuable so we need to be recycling better so that we have more really good plastic that can be sold to manufacturers that can make this stuff and make tote bags and all these things that historically would use virgin plastic now it's more affordable for companies to make that switch because there's like a surplus of recycled plastic. Now they can actually utilize it and not choose virgin plastic instead. And so, like, this is like where it like kind of trickles up, where yeah. we recycle makes it more valuable, makes it also just more accessible to businesses to create products for us to buy in the future instead of using new plastic with oil from the ground. We're now using waste that could have been sent to landfill for a new product and like the cycle could kind of continue on and on and on.
0: Yeah. Okay. That is a good segue because, you know, with businesses, uh, you know, obviously we can talk about their products, but I'm assuming there's the manufacturing supply chain. Like there's a lot of things besides just the physical product they have. Um, what are you seeing, you know, kind of from a business standpoint, a lot of the businesses that you work with, in terms of their sustainability, how they're thinking about it? Is it similar to individual consumers? Do they think about it in a different way?
1: I think everyone is looking at it similarly, but businesses are trying to capitalize on the demands that customers are putting on them. So what you'll see is anytime a company releases a new product or is sharing things on Instagram, social media, whatever it is, there will be a percentage that is really questions the company into their values, any kind of values that they're interested in. That's just the kind of world we live in now. Um, We value-based marketing and value-based companies are really important. Um, And part of that sustainability, people want to see brands that are doing good things for them and the environment. Ultimately, if a company is thinking about the planet, they're thinking about people too. So that's becoming a bigger conversation because customers are being sort of bombarded with this information and they're translating that back to who they're buying from. And so then companies are like, oh crap, like we actually have to, you know, we've been thinking about this for a while, but now we really need to get serious about it because it's, we can't escape it anymore. A lot of companies have been thinking about this for the past few years, but haven't necessarily known what the next steps are.
0: Well, I think that's where innovation has come in because we've seen a lot of companies, you know, you and I have talked about a lot where like these new companies have come out. Like I was telling you, I started to, I don't mind to promote them on here, um, but I started to use that bite, um, the, mm. the, the toothpaste.
1: Those. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That's like the little pellets that you just put in your mouth, you chew on and then you, and then you brush. Because again, I'm looking at ways to be more sustainable on my end, but also like, again, I have a nine-year-old try to teach him that, Hey, there's different ways to do it. You don't have to use just the, the plastic tube of toothpaste that's been around for, you know, for a generation or uh, for multiple generations. So thinking about things like that, where that company, that innovation Bore was born out of sustainability practices, right? You know, oh my gosh,
1: yes, Brian. I have an I have a small activity that we can do. Okay, that we can do on the podcast together because I like innovation is huge, it's why we do things, it's why we develop products. Okay, are you ready?
0: I am so ready. This is awesome being put in the spot. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Listeners, are you guys ready? Okay, we're gonna do this together. So, Brian, why do you think, like, why do we still use? plastic bottles i mean plastic bottles have kind of been around a long long time why do people still use them but they haven't changed
0: the the the, the, my gut reaction just trying to think logically on this would be they're cheap to produce that'd be my answer they're cheap to produce
1: (laughs) so if you're like a regular person like you are and like i am something that happens is water bottles tend to be very convenient. We're on a road trip. You're at an event Mm -hmm. water. You're it's hot out. It's just convenient to have them. Right. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you, maybe you have a water bottle and maybe you can refill it somewhere. Like, so there's the fact that the the water bottle, a plastic water bottle in particular meets a lot of different needs that other products that that have been developed haven't met. So I'll give you a couple examples. So, convenience that's what we're talking about as an option for having a water bottle well why can't you just bring your own water bottle you 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 know if you're going to the mall or the grocery store just bring your own water bottle that's annoying to carry for some people you live in a city you don't have a car you're not you know those hydro flasks are heavy so you're carrying a big water bottle it's a lot of weight also if you're let's say you're an athlete so you want to have water you're hydrating constantly so you're working out but you can't wear like a camelback all day, every day. That doesn't make sense. Oh yeah. See, you got your big water. That's a
0: 64 ounce, um, water bottle there that I carry around with me and and bring to CrossFit and stuff like that. So anyways, sorry.
1: Do you ever put that in like your backpack or something?
0: Um, no, I don't know if I've, I've been able to, or needed to put it in a backpack of like a hike or anything like that. I probably would. It's like a mini rucksack, I guess, but, (laughs) but I know where you're getting at. It's like, yeah, most times it's, you, you're not prepared. You're not walking into, well, I, I, and I, you know, take an example, like an event, you know, you might walk in there with a cup of coffee to start the day, but you're in there all day long. You eventually need to drink some stuff mm-hmm. later on in the day. You know, so I, I get your point. It's like the convenience. So that's a, that's a good point, I guess. Um, and a lot of
1: times sanitary conditions, right? Like you don't, a lot of times at those refill stations or water bottles, you got to worry about people reusing cups or, you know, germs, you don't want to deal with that. Or what about places in the world like Flint, Michigan, where they can only drink bottled water, like their bottled water is not necessarily safe to drink. So or sorry, their public water is not safe to drink. So they have to drink bottled water. So my my next question would be, okay, well, if some people don't have they like to have bottled water, they like the taste, some people like the taste of bottled water. Why don't, why doesn't just everyone have those giant like jugs of water in their home instead of buying like a 24 pack of water bottles?
0: Um, I don't know. I used to have that actually as a kid. We used to have those really? jugs. Yeah, we used to have those jugs. Um, but wait, let, me, let me ask you another question though. Um, Cause I'm, I'm thinking about in terms of, well, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but like, because don't some of these companies, like they're just bottling tap water as it is. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, which is ridiculous. Anyway, yeah, let's not go down that rabbit hole. I'm gonna, I'm gonna temper myself here because we can go on a long stream with that. So let's keep, let's let's keep on the, uh, the, the activity here. So yeah, I don't know why. I would assume it's they're inconvenient. You have to carry them from the, you know, the grocery store. You know, you have to get one of those machines that set up. You know, to stick them in. Right. Yeah,
1: they're not very attractive either. Like in your house, it's kind of annoying. Those, yeah, those things are heavy. But, like, there are people out there, and I'm sure there's people listening that buy cases and cases of water bottles. Okay. So now we've gone through all these different potential options, right? People are athletes, they want to have water accessible. You go to Mm -hmm. events, you're going to need to have water. Refill stations are not always accessible or easy to set up. Whatever the reason is, okay, we're kind of stuck with water bottles as the way they are. So, how do we make them better? So you saw we saw a change in, again, around the 2012 era, which was a big sustainability year. I don't really know why. Um, I'm sure there's a thesis about it. But they redesigned a lot of water bottles to use less plastic, to have smaller labels, to use less waste. And they're charging the same amount for that water bottle as they did before it was designed. But now they're actually paying less money that right because they're using less material. So they made it greener and they're saving money and they're still selling you a water bottle. It's pretty genius. So then there's you know then there was an innovation in you know 2014 2015 where we're like oh let's use plant-based plastic that's awesome we're gonna use waste product from the agricultural industry we're gonna put it into our plastic and this is gonna be great problem is now that item is not recyclable that only came out very recently Um, But that was an innovation that we talked about. And then the next innovation was boxed water. And boxed water was like, oh my God, this is perfect. Put everything in paper cartons. We can just recycle it. But some people don't like the taste of boxed water. It does taste different. It's a little bit, you know, it sometimes has leaked. It's not as contained as plastic bottles. And then the final innovation that I want to talk about, because there's a really cool company that's doing this, is this company called liquid death. And they're all about like trying to kill plastic pollution. And they're using aluminum cans because aluminum can be recycled forever, but there's a part of people, there's a population that's like drinking water from a can. That's so weird, but it's, you know, it's something that you kind of get used to. But my point of kind of going through this activity is just when we have habits, we don't like things being taken away as humans. It's like a punishment. It's like that psychology of like, oh, things are being taken away. What have I done wrong? What am I doing badly? But I think it's about understanding that innovation is a solution to making things better and rewarding yourself for the next step and not necessarily taking things away. But as you can see, it can be hard.
0: Yeah. There's a, there's a lot we can go with that. I, I could I, yeah, the liquid death. I think I've seen that. I, now does that, that can have a top on it or once it? So I, I know the challenge with like cans is like once it opens and
1: it's, it's so, yeah.
0: so that's a, So talk about like, you know, those small little things of like, well, if I go to an event, I buy a water bottle, at least I can carry it around in my pocket mm-hmm. or hold it. And there's a top so it doesn't spill, you know, like those type of little things you think about it, like that, that utility is, is important. Um, do, I, I guess with the, if we stick on the water bottles for a second, um, uh, and this, I guess would be the same for we we're talking about toothpaste, like the, the, I don't know if they're one in the same in terms of that plastic and how they get recycled. You would, you know, cause you know, you mentioned something earlier about like the cleaning of it. So the toothpaste, how do I, I, I wouldn't be able to clean out my toothpaste container or maybe I could, but it'd be challenging. How would that get recycled? or does it get recycled normally those get thrown away versus a plastic bottle so that's a whole nother animal you know
1: and i would say too that and i had sort of hesitated mentioning it before because there is a company out there who kind of claims that they can recycle all the hard to recycle things um like toothpaste they've historically collected old toothpaste tubes um the problem is, is it's not, they're not very transparent about how those things are recycled. So I don't, I don't want to say their name. Some people may already know who they are based on this conversation, but there are companies out there that are trying to innovate and they're trying to say, okay, well, we know that this toothpaste exists. Like most toothpaste tubes are all the same. They're all made the same. They look the same. They're made the same materials. If we know that, how can we then find a process to recycle it and and tr- rip it up and and make it into something new Um, the problem is is typically these products have so many materials into one thing they're lined with aluminum and this and that so the innovation is how do we make something to be a monoplastic or a mono material so that it's fully recyclable in one process so goes back to recycling let's go back to that recycling conversation if it's all one material that's a lot easier to recycle than if it's like five things mixed into one
0: yeah. What about, is there anything away from just the product that you're seeing from a lot of businesses? Like the first thing I think of is like getting away from paper and doing things more digitally, right? That could potentially be more sustainable as like a waste, but is there anything you're seeing that companies are trying to do besides again, just the specific product, but maybe it's just business practices from an organization standpoint?
1: Yeah, there's tons of things out there. And, um, and this is something I talk to companies a lot about As well as like having basically employee and company standards for policies in the sense of, okay, when we purchase product, let's make sure we're only buying something, you know, that's made out of at least 20% post-consumer recycled plastic. That's like your purchasing policy, or we're only going to buy from companies that are B Corp's. Or we're only going to buy materials from companies that are woman-owned. Or we're going to make sure that 15% of uh, companies that we buy from are owned by Black business owners. Like These are things that you can incorporate with literally at no cost into your policies that immediately make your business better. But like, okay, well, that's a lot of work to figure out that sometimes. Like, why can't I just use Uline? Well, I I could go into a whole podcast about why Uline's not the best, but sometimes it's sort of, but Uline at least has options. All right, let's forget, let's just focus on, let's try to do 50% of our products to be um, plant-based, like our packaging. We'll use 50% plant-based packaging. Okay, well, Uline has biodegradable packing pellets. Okay, like that's a switch, and it's the same cost as regular ones. So it's all about first understanding what the problem is, in your own business, like how can you get a little bit better? And then the door kind of opens to, okay, well, now what are my options? Now I've created this standard for myself. You got to know your standard first before you start making all these change, like yeah. investments and changes.
0: Well, and it's actually interesting. I was noticing something the other day, which I believe is newer over the last year or, or so with Amazon. So have you returned a package with Amazon recently?
1: Oh my God. Yes, so, it's my least favorite thing.
0: But yeah. what I'll give them credit for, and partly this is a dollar savings for them. Um, but have you returned it to Whole Foods or use one of their or have you just sent it back through the package? I have
1: used I have used it, I have gone to Whole Foods. To yeah. Return. So
0: anyone listening in that hasn't done this, so generally when you return a package, right? You can the main avenues are you can go to UPS drop-off. And you package it back up in the box and they print out a label and boom, you're gone. The other option is you can go to a local Whole Foods and you can return it. What what I like about that, I'm lucky to have a Whole Foods like a mile away. What I'm lucky about, or what's lucky about that, and what's really good for, for them is it's unpackaged. They scan it and they do their scanning to make sure it's all in, and they have one big box that they put it into. So instead of shipping like 15 boxes, they would ship just one box back to their, their distribution center, which I thought was like, okay, great, you're you're actually eliminating a lot of your wasted costs on, on those type of things. But in the same time, you're also, it seems like you're being more sensitive and, and more sustainable in my eyes. Again, this is a consumer looking at it because you're not being wasteful with the boxes or who knows, it could just be, Um, The back and forth that happens, you know, could be gas costs, could be all these different things that you say printing out labels, etc., that otherwise um, would be. So I don't know if you're. That's just one thing I'm thinking off the top of my head. But
1: it's funny because you know it just also goes to show when you've been in this industry for a long time, your standards for everything are so high that it's easy to be disappointed. Yeah. So like I have two Whole Foods within a mile of me, or at least a couple miles. And one of them, if I return my Amazon item, they, they take it and they put it in the box. No big deal. Love that. The other one that I go to more, they take it, they scan it, they put it in a plastic bag, even if the item's already in a plastic bag, mm-hmm. and then they put it in the box. I'm like, why, why, why do we now need to add a plastic bag to this process And that's i would say i could argue plastic bags are worse than packaging up my cardboard box and sending it back because the cardboard box is being reused so i think it is yeah true assess your own whole foods um but i would say like of course that makes way more sense to package it all at once um bring it to your whole foods because it's far more efficient for everybody um but also when you're buying, but also when you're buying something, try to buy something that maybe you're not going like to return. Like really, really think about it and be like, do I really need this? Or am I just going to return the, Like, I'm going to get it and be like, I'm just, I don't need this and just return it. Like really be thoughtful and intentional about your purchasing. And then that's what saves you money in general. Like, yeah. what do you really need?
0: Yeah. Are, are there any other businesses you'd, you kind of think of, I guess we talked about liquid death. We talked about bite, but anything else that, you know, businesses you, you call out, give them a a shout of, you know, kind of like a hell yeah for for doing some good sustainability practices.
1: Well, you know, it's funny you brought this up because on my own podcast, I've started doing a series called the re-report and the re-report is about reviewing sustainability reports. So companies that are saying that they're sustainable because they have this report that says so, and kind of going through and saying, okay, is this real? Is this just marketing? Or are you actually doing the sustainable thing? So what an example is I know I, my first one I did was reformation and reformation is kind of known as an amazing sustainable fashion company, especially when the fashion industry is known for being so bad. One thing that they do a lot of really good work and I recommend checking out their reports because they put out reports every single quarter to hold themselves accountable. Obviously there's always things that you can um, get better at. And one of my critiques was, you know, something that they talk about is they really encourage employees to volunteer and they have great numbers for employee turnout for volunteering, but they don't necessarily tell how many hours that they're volunteering or they don't say, what they're volunteering in exactly so it's like that's that's great data like let's talk about that let's create a conversation about that cuz that that shows that you care more than you just telling me that 100% of your employees volunteer that's where there's like that's real that's true sustainability is like creating conversation with your customers so that they feel like you get it that you're on it that you value them and value your environment and value the, your community as well.
0: They don't have to put those sustainability reports out. Those are just things they do these companies just as like a added transparency or is that part if you're of, a like- public
1: company, you will have to start putting together sustainability reports. I'm sure like pretty much every public company now is being rated against something called the ESG rating system, which is environmental and social governance and It's highly encouraged that they report out their specific numbers um, for the Bloomberg terminal and all that stuff. I don't really work on that end, though I do know a lot of people in that industry. But I would say sustainability reports are becoming very trendy as a marketing tool that you can pull from all year round. Once you put that investment in that report for the year, that's data you can use all year for mar- for other marketing and other um, opportunities and awards and anything that you're kind of going after. Another company that I would say invest the most money as a consumer brand in sustainability is Allbirds, but that's sort of again part of their shtick. It was who they were from the beginning. They had to be a sustainable shoe. They probably spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on different certifications, on a team. Um, that's, it's part of their product. And they also do a ton of research and development for new materials and collabs with other sneaker brands. So they're definitely a brand to watch just because I do feel that they're doing everything right. Hopefully they don't have like a scandal in like the next few years. But um, from what I can see, they're like top-notch.
0: this has been a really, uh, interesting conversation. Um, is there anything else because I'm assuming we could probably just chat for hours on various practices and stuff. And, but is there anything else maybe as some last words, um, that you would share of either businesses, things they should think about going into 2022 individuals, consumers, you know, into the next year, um, or beyond, but anything else that's on your mind from a sustainability standpoint?
1: as individuals, we don't always realize the power we have when we interact with brands and like when we're on social media scrolling, we have far more power than we realize, you know, commenting, DMing, those have real, you know, It seems like it's free, but it's real value to companies because they get an insight to what you like and what you don't like. And when you have a criticism for them about a product they've designed or something's not recyclable or something's wasteful, that's a big deal. I mean, these platforms are, are like forums for people to kind of be exposed with cancel culture and all that stuff. And so I would say as individuals, if you see something you don't like, tell them. We have. They will. They absolutely listen. They're all listening right now. Their ears are open. And then, as companies, I would say, when you're getting this feedback from your customers, creating an action plan and figuring out a way to communicate your journey to your customers so that they feel like you're listening to them and that you're taking them seriously. It's like it's like a relationship, kind of. There you go. Just give and take. Yeah. Give and
0: take for sure. Yeah. Now, where can everyone find you if they want to say hello online, check your stuff out? Where's the best spot?
1: Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at makeclimatecool or shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Um, I usually am really good about connecting over there. And also I run office hours every other Monday. So if you jump on my email list, which you can find at makeclimatecool.com. You'll get an email every once in a while about the calendar. I'd really try not to send out too many emails because I'm drowning in email myself. So when I do send it out, it's usually a ton of helpful information. So I will send out like once a month, a calendar of office hours. So get on that and you can every Monday, every couple Mondays at eight o'clock, we chat about sustainability and it's just a fun time.
0: And your podcast.
1: Oh, wait, make climate cool again. Make
0: <laughs> yeah, climate I'm, cool again. I it was it's
1: all around, all around. Let's let's like, just all make climate cool. That's the whole. That's the whole message I'm trying to get across. We gotta have and, fun with this.
0: And and just so everyone listening in, what what is the premise of the podcast? What are what are some things they can expect if they tune in?
1: So if you like Brian's podcast, you're definitely going to like mine. Um, it's just it's basically Brian's podcast with a sustainability twist. I talk to companies that have you know built sustainability into who they are and are doing something really interesting. I talked to a you know a 21 year old student the other day who makes wood out of like kombucha scoby and like it's like crazy. So it's plant based. Wood, but wood is already plant-based. That's fake Mm. wood. It's cool, and I think it's totally gonna change like the wood industry because of its capabilities and how like wood it looks like. And if you're and want to invest in him, it's a great place to check that out too. So it's all stories of people that are trying to make positive climate change and whatever their industry is, and we kind of go through a bunch of different ones. And it's exciting. It's hopeful. That's inspiring. That's what we need.
0: That's exactly what we need. Absolutely. Sarah, you're inspiring always. I always enjoy our chats. Um, I'm glad you came on for episode number two. Maybe we'll do number three down the road. We'll see what happens. But um, I appreciate the time. This is always fun.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. And, um, you know, always supporting and loving your newsletters. And I think everyone should make sure that they're they're signed up for your newsletter as well because there's a ton of great information. And I know I get a lot of value. So thank you. Thank you.
0: Hey, everyone. Just one more quick thing before you skip along in your day. You know, if you do enjoy this content or other things that I've put out, or just enjoy learning more and trying to adapt your thinking uh, to become happier each and every day, there's a couple of things that you may benefit from. Um, If you go to my website, Brianondraco.com forward slash subscribe, you can sign up for my newsletter that goes out once a week. And that's really a digest of a lot of information that I gather throughout the weeks, whether it's a new video that I think could be informative or a podcast that's been valuable to me, book that I might read, etc. Um, secondly, I blog three times a week, and these are more micro blogs, one to five minute reads, short digestible blogs that I'll send right to your inbox on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning. So check that out on my website, brianandreco.com forward slash subscribe if you think it's something you might enjoy. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.